Howdy there. I'm Matt McKinley with the Burning Daylight Podcast. If you ever wanted to make a podcast, well, Spotify's got a platform that makes that lets you make one super easily. And then you can distribute it everywhere and even earn money. All in one place for free. It's called Spotify for, for Podcasters, and here's how it works. Spotify for Podcasters lets you record and edit podcasts right from the phone or computer. Uh, so no matter what uh, your setup is like, you can uh, start creating today. Then you can distribute your podcast to Spotify and everywhere else podcasts are heard. Video podcasts are also available on Spotify. And uh, if you like my show, Fence Post Politics with my buddy Aaron, that's the place to watch it because it's all video all the time. And we uh, like we share videos, we comment on videos, we share news articles and uh, and funny memes. So um, it's pretty cool. Um, and also, if you want to take your conversations to uh, with your fans to the next level, uh, your question and answer answer and polls are the best way to get them talking you can attach that to your your podcast there and, and you get your you get you know valuable interactions with your fan your fans and uh <clears throat> with spotify for podcasters you can earn money in a variety of ways including ads and podcast subscriptions and best of all it's totally free with no catch and that's uh that that is true um, <laughs> supposed to do a testimonial here, um, but anyways, this is the the podcast I use or the podcast uh host that I use. I like Spotify. They're uh they're very good on just letting you do your thing, uh with uh with no catch to it. Uh, there's a good reason why Joe Rogan hosts podcasts on Spotify and, and this is uh this is a great way to get started if you if you've ever thought about starting a podcast this is where I would send anybody to go um <clears throat> best thing you can do is just download the Spotify for podcasters app or you can go to spotify.com slash podcasters to get started and yeah if you've ever thought about just doing a podcast or if you're tired of paying a monthly service that uh, doesn't seem to do much for you, Spotify podcasters is your spot. So uh, go to spotify.com slash podcasters or download the app today. This morning I got on the phone and said to hold my brawn as long as you can. My car broke down in Billings and they just got it put together and I'll be photo finishing in old Cheyenne. Howdy there, I'm Matt McKinley and we're burning daylight. Good morning folks, how was your weekend? Not gonna lie, I'm a little bit, a little bit ill this morning. I'm not really ill. I'm just, I'm just got a touch of a hangover. Did a little phone. Uh, I was not an interview. I was just bullshitting with my cousin Robbie, and uh, we went ahead and recorded it. I'll throw it out there. Let me know what you think, and uh. I don't know if I'm going to edit it at all, so we could get in a little bit of trouble there, but uh, we'll see. And uh, you'll just have to let me know how it goes. Uh, I'm riding little Maggie this morning. She is all full of piss and vinegar, and uh, she's ready to go, but we'll see how she does today. She's a... She's feeling good, so I got her in the got her in the snaffle bit and German martingale, and uh, yeah, she just took a shit. She feels better now, so we'll see how she's doing. I got some really big news for you today. The other news I keep teasing. I'm gonna have to just keep teasing because it's not ready yet. It will happen. It's just not ready for me to announce so 
that being said, my big news is it's Sunday morning today. Monday afternoon, I will be doing a phone interview with uh, a Mr. Bert Kuntz from Bison Union. You may know him from the Drinking Bros or hashtag Bert from TV. But anyway, all around cool guy, former Green Beret, uh, former ranch hand, current uh, business owner, and buffalo rancher, bison rancher. Yeah, you heard that right. He uh, he owns a bison ranch in Wyoming. I'm not sure where his, his uh, buffalo are running at, but he lives up in Wyoming. They just opened uh, the Bison Union uh, coffee shop uh, in conjunction or with help from, in conjunction with. I'm not for sure how, how to phrase that. But anyway, with the Black Rifle Coffee guys. And so anyway, I, uh, I've been tagging him in a bunch of my, pretty well all my uh, Instagram posts. And I was getting ready to send him a, a DM, see if he wanted to come on the show, and I was like, well, there's got to be a better way to get a hold of the guy, and so I went on the Bison Union website, found their number, called it, and I said, hey, this is Matt from Burning Daylight, and uh, wondering if uh, I could get a hold of Bert, and the lady said, well, yeah, let me go get him, he's right here, and uh, yeah, so then I, I chatted on the phone with him for about 15 minutes, and man, you were a lot easier to get a hold of than I was expecting. So, anyway, cool guy. We had a good visit, and uh, we're going to have a, a better visit tomorrow. So, buckle up for that. I think it's going to be really cool. And, uh, yeah, it's going to be a fun time. So, there's that. And, uh... Today I am going to talk a little bit about, uh, I guess, how do you how do you explain rodeo to a non non ag person? And I'm just going to preface it now that I am not the foremost expert on any of this stuff. I just I'll, I'll give you my opinion. I think I, I have a decently informed in, uh, opinion, but. I'm, I'm by no means an expert on anything except bullshitting. So, take that with a grain of salt and a shot of penicillin. And, uh, and you'll be alright. So, had, uh, who was the guy that asked me? I think his name was Steve, yeah, I think it was Stephen Cullum, if I remember right. It was the other day he asked me, and... Let me see. Yeah, it was Stephen Cullum out of uh, Baton Rouge, Louisiana. And um, he asked what ask me how do you respond to people when they say that uh, you know you're hurting the animal when you uh, when you're roping them and stuff and uh, and how, how do you how do you explain that to people and uh, well sometimes you're just not going to not going to be able to explain it to them and and that's okay some people just don't they're not going to be receptive to hear it uh, but most of the people are, you know, they, they, they tend to, you know, you got your, your few, uh, keyboard warriors and activists that think they, they're an expert on everything known to man, and, uh, and they're pretty sure of themselves. So those people you're probably not going to reach because they're coming in with a, a preset mindset and, uh, and it's and you know and that they're probably not going to get rid of that mindset. So those you're better off just not engaging them or just ridiculing them, and uh, you know just respond only by gifs or something like that, gifs whatever. 
Anybody know how that's actually said? Jif or gif? <coughs> I don't know. But anyway, that's... I've got a, uh, a buddy, uh, from back home that's, that's pretty, pretty far left-wing individual, and, uh, and there's, I, I know I'm not changing his mind on anything, but I always think that maybe, uh, somebody reading this post will, uh, will, uh, be swayed in one way or another, uh, because of my arguments, so... So therefore, I'm talking to, even though I'm interacting with uh, my buddy Pat, I uh, I'm actually talking to the broader audience, and and so that that's one way to do it. So I mean, especially if like if you're doing it online, somebody's going to see it. So rather than trying to convince uh, the person that you're actually interacting with. Uh, of your opinion, you know, speak to the broader audience, uh, while, while interacting with that guy. So that being said, there's this, there's the biggest way to explain to people, um, like how you're not actually hurting the cattle is you got to explain to them how big these, these animals are. I mean, even a little rope and steer, it's still, that steer's still going to weigh four or five hundred pounds, sometimes, sometimes heavier than that, you know, as they, they get soggier as the year goes on, uh, but they're, they're, they're big animals, so it takes, you know, and, and they feel pain, of course, but it takes a lot to actually hurt these animals, especially, like, like I said, again, with roping cattle they're 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 designed that's that's why they're bred today is is for roping purposes that mean because they've got a big set of horns on them and and they run that's that's pretty well it that's their, their meat quality is not good they're uh you know there there's nothing nothing particularly desirable about the coriani breed other than the fact that they got horns and they run, so it makes them ideal for team roping and and rodeo events. That's that's pretty well the long and short of it. So, uh, you that's that's the best place to start. Is like they, these animals are huge. I mean, you really think about it. I'm I'm about 180 pounds, 180, 185, somewhere right right in there, and. It takes uh, takes a baby calf about a month or so, say, and they'll call it 60 days, to become the same same size as me. And and that is that is being very um, conservative on my estimate, you know, because there's shit. There's some calves that weigh 100 pounds coming out of the out of his mama, and so it don't take very long for them to, to be just as big as you are, and they're, they're more athletic, they're faster, and yeah, they have every advantage physically over you, uh, they just, they don't think like a, a human, they don't have opposable thumbs, and they, uh, they don't have the capacity to tame another animal, uh, and ride it, so, so that's, that's a, a good place to start. And then you got to go back to historically why we rope cattle. The initially the the roping was started to to catch wild cattle and to bring them in to, to domesticate them. I mean, that's 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 kind of the long and short of it. You're uh, you're bringing the, these animals in and uh, and then you're raising them for for feed purposes. You're you're raising them to to eat. And sometimes you couldn't get them herded in uh, to to your trap or your catch pen or whatever case may be. So you got to catch catch them. So in order to do that, you rope them, and that is that is the origins of rodeo right there, of the roping events. And if you look at at all the rodeo events that uh, that you would see at a PRCA rodeo. 
everything other than uh, barrel racing and bull riding, probably the two most popular events. Uh, every other event in rodeo uh, started as an actual ranch type task. So team roping, that all started with doctoring cows. You would, uh, you, somebody would, would rope them around the, around the neck or the horns, and somebody would rope their back feet, heal them. You stretch them out, and you, uh, you give them their medicine, you, you know, or uh, maybe it's branding, who knows. You, uh, whatever the case may be, whatever you're doing with them, uh, the, the easiest way for the cowboys to, to get it done was somebody head them, somebody heal them, that way that animal is subdued and is powerless to, uh, to get away. You are, uh, you're using your, your horse and, and a length of rope to, uh, to subdue these animals. And, uh, so we're just, we're using what we've got as, uh, as an advantage to, to control these animals. And, uh, and that, that's, so that's the origin of all the, of all roping events, whether it be team roping, uh, steer roping, you know, tie down roping, whatever the case may be. And then you can even get into the, like the ranch rodeo aspect where you're loading them into a trailer or you're branding the calf or you're milking a wild cow, whatever the case may be, anything having to do with roping, that's how, that is the origin is, uh, they were, they were trying to catch these animals to bring them in and, uh, and raise them for a food source. And then from there, it all just became a celebration of the lifestyle. So, and you know, it started with uh, two old boys like, well, I'm, fuck, I can do that better than you. And they said, bullshit, you ain't no hand. I'm gonna, I, I can rope better than you 10 times out of 10 every day, all day long. And then somebody said, all right, let's, let's see it. And so then they time it. Who can get it done the fastest? And then that, that started, you know, like the, the tie down event which was uh, that that was in, invented due to uh, and probably Brandon Kev's back in the day. You know, it's a lot of open range. Some old, uh, some old puncher from Texas is running his cows out on the open range and, uh, and he carries a little running iron in his, in his saddlebags or something and he, uh, He'll he'll rope a calf that he knows his, and cause his you know his mama's right there with his that guy's brand on it. So he uh, he ropes the calf, ties him down, builds him a little fire, enough to heat up that little running iron, brand the calf. Or you know nowadays it'd be some some areas would be the same type of deal, uh, but most most places they uh, you brand all all at one time. You know you bring your you gather your herd, and uh, and then you you rope and and drag the calves to the to the fire and and brand them there. And then you gotta so then you have to explain to people why you brand them, and that that's specifically just to identify your cattle from somebody else, because typically you're gonna you know your neighbors gonna have kind of the same same type of cows, and. So you put a brand on them just so they know you know that they're yours, and that's you know, if you, you got a calf without a brand out there, anybody can take it. Uh, you know, not legally, but but in the real world, somebody somebody can say, hey, well, that calf ain't got a brand on them. I I need to uh, maybe I got a uh, doctor bill or something coming up, or I've got a. Uh, you know, I gotta fix my pickup or something. I need some money right now. They can go, go rope that calf, throw him in the trailer, take him to the sale barn. You know, they, all they gotta do is slap their own brand on it, and uh, and then then there you go. So, and if if nobody sees you do it, and uh, nobody uh, nobody knows, they can't prove otherwise if it's got your brand on it. So that that's why we brand our cattle. It's just uh. Just so we we know whose is whose, and that way they don't get stolen, and uh, and all that 
that type of deal. So you explain to them that, and uh, and then that gives a you know a little better picture of uh, of why or where the the rodeo events came from. It all it all started with a practical purpose in mind, and and it just it really it's just a, a glorified pissing contest. That's it's a it's a pissing match from way back. Just uh, just some old cow hands decided they were they were better than the next guy, and uh, and they said, "Well, prove it." And then so then they did, and now we have the world of rodeo, and that's that is a uh, that's a sector of the the beef industry I have not talked about at all, uh, but it really is uh, it is a like a big industry is stock contracting. Because everybody loves a rodeo. Well, not everybody, but most people love a rodeo. And so, therefore, people are going to show up and they got to have cattle to rope, they got to have bronx to ride, they got to have bulls to ride. So, there, there comes in the stock contractor. And those are people that, that raise cattle and horses specifically for the rodeo purpose. So, I mean, there's like bucking bulls that is a big industry and it's a it's a high dollar industry and it's and it's much like the you know the seed stock uh operation for for you know beef cattle where you're you're getting the best genetics for uh for growth and and marbling of the meat whatever well the 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 bucking bull industry they're they are selecting for stick strictly for uh bulls that are gonna buck hard pretty pretty much you know and uh so therefore you're you're gonna have some really kind of you know kind of an ugly herd of cows uh but you're not you're not raising them to look nice you're raising them to buck or uh or you got some uh coriani uh cows and you're using those those animals just just for roping purposes now you're you tie down uh calf rope and those are really they're they're you could have just about any breed for those all, all you're really looking for is something that's going to run straight uh so they can they can get roped and, and tied down and that the the tie down one is uh that's a big uh target of the of the animal rights um, community, because it's uh, it's a baby calf, and they're they're not so much a baby anymore. But they're you know it's 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 a it's a baby calf that's gonna, that's gonna get roped, and you know they take a jerk and they you know it spins them around, and but it, it doesn't it doesn't really hurt them. And then you know those uh, those stock contractors they've got money in those. As cattle, so if they, it is, and it is kind of up to their discretion. If they they see you, uh, say you jerk your calf down when when you uh, when you rope it, and now there's a rule now that you can't jerk them down. So you do that, you're disqualified, but you're also probably going to get fined for it. And people don't people don't typically hear about that, but it, it happens, and. Uh, you know, because those, those stock contractors, they they care about their animals because they gotta they gotta get them to the next show so they can do it all again, and they they want you to take care of their animals, and and with you know that that's what they're well within their right to expect that from you. They're allowing you to to use their animal for this competition, so you got to take care of it. I mean, it's just like borrowing something from your neighbor. You try to return it in the best shape you possibly can, because that's not yours. And and so if you if you have some uh, some sort of accident happen where the calf breaks his leg or whatnot, the cowboy that was roping him, well that animal's on the hook, or he's he's on the hook for that animal. So whatever the whatever the the contractor decides that animal's worth, uh, yeah, that that's what you're gonna have to pay because you uh you didn't follow the rules <clears throat> and it may have been an accident but accidents happen but they still cost money so tough luck fella that's uh that's on you
So <clears throat> these are all some of the the things that you can you can explain to them. But you, the biggest thing is you gotta you gotta make it relatable, and that that's I think that's more than than anything I was I was trying to explain when I went on my rant about the you know that dairy video the other day that had people all up in arms is uh, rather than getting defensive and uh, and you know and uptight and outraged <clears throat> by it you've got to. <laughs> you've got to explain the nuance in the situation. You've got to, you got to be able to make people relate to uh, to what was actually happening there. And you've also got to call out bullshit when you see it, whether that, you know, whether the person wasn't trained or they just lost their temper. But either way, you just got to say, hey, this is a this is not a good situation. And and then you you also got to say, hey, this is one one instance out of thousands of interactions with cattle that that don't go this way that that are done the right way you know there's always uh rogan always uh says said uh this R rogan said it best on this type of deal he said if you got a hundred people uh in a room there's a hundred percent chance that one of those uh one of those people is going to be crazy or stupid you know, it's just just the law of probability that you know there's stupid people out there, there's crazy people out there, and there's you know and there's uh, and they typically get the most attention because they're typically the loudest, or they cause a wreck or something. And then the whole group gets associated with that one person, and fair or not, that's just the way of the world. So you've got to do your best to to spin the other 99 individuals in in the in the positive light that they should be uh, cast in. So, and there, I don't know if there's any any, any uh, kind of set method in, in which to do that. But you've got the biggest thing is we've got to be, come off as relatable and. I was talking with Bert yesterday, and you know the the idea of the cowboy has been uh, glamorized. You know the cowboy and the, the vaquero and the the American West has become it's 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 just a myth more than anything. Because I mean, you people hear cowboys, they think John Wayne and Clint Eastwood, which that that's great. You know, who wouldn't want to be? associated with those two legends but that's not how cowboys are you know the cowboy never was the the gunfighter you know the cowboy carried a gun on his hip uh for protection against uh you know animals and uh, and you know and then a time or two for uh for for fighting or whatever but for the most part the cowboys didn't come to town and yeah, they they were out on they were out on the range, out in the mountains, whatever wherever they were, you know, uh, taking care of cows. That that was what they were doing. So they they came to town, you know, it might be once a month, it might be once every six months or something, and then you know, uh, then they'd go to the, they'd go to town, go grab them a whore and grab them all the whiskey they could they could afford at the time, and. And then that you know shit got a little little western as we say, but by and large the cowboy didn't do anything with a gun. They their tool was their their horse and their rope, and and they uh, so rather than glamorizing and you know holding ourselves up to this impossible ideal of you know the American West just. Yeah, people gotta know that anybody who cowboys for a living, they're just, they're just another dude. They're just another lady, uh, and some are better than others. Some are funnier than others, and as with any group, some of them are assholes and just really kind of shitty people. So, uh, that that's kind of the my take on on that is the best way to 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 combat. A, a bad image is is to make it 
make it relatable somehow. And and it's gonna it's it's tough to do because once those those hit type videos are out there or you know or they and of course there there's the same type of deal for rodeo they'll just have a compilation of uh rodeo wrecks and instead of laughing at it like we do uh no they 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 demonize the the rodeo cowboy and then just and just the beef industry in general uh and perception is reality so if that's how people perceive us doesn't matter if you're not doing it that way that's that's how they perceive it in their head and so that's the reality to them so you've got to change that you've got to change the perception and and you can't do that by attacking people i mean you maybe you can maybe it's it's worked once or twice in the past but by and large you're you're not going to change anybody's mind when you attack them you they're going to dig their heels in deeper and and then you, you you don't win any converts. You might uh, you might get some attaboys from your side of the, the uh, conversation, but those people already agree with you, so you shouldn't be trying to convince them. It, it doesn't take much to convince them. They're they're already on your side. So you you gotta you gotta figure out a way to frame the conversation uh, that is agreeable to to the person you're trying to win over and and I, I don't know if there's a what the best way to do it is but I know that that humor always works or nah I, I'm not gonna talk in absolutes I guess humor works really well it's not you know it's not a hundred percent effective but it's one of your better tools in your arsenal and uh, self-deprecating humor is really can really work so one of the easiest ways to get like if you're sitting around uh, with a group of friends and you're all talking shit on each other and and when it's your turn to catch shit if you uh, if you get a little annoyed and and defensive and and whatnot guess what they're giving it to you harder I mean they're if if they're like my buddies anyways they 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 smell a weakness and they go in for the kill but if you can roll with the punches make fun of yourself pretty soon that that doesn't get as or you know it's not as fun for those people so they move on to the next target and and your people are just looking for a reaction and so if you can if you can somehow what uh make that relatable and make fun of yourself at the same time i think you're a lot further ahead so you see this video and and then you can you can tell a story about how a kef whooped your ass and uh and and explain to him this is a little bitty kef that still just fucked you up because it's happened before i guarantee you i i know it's happened to me i mean i I had a calf that was, couldn't have been more than 80, 90 pounds, just throttle my ass seven ways from Sunday. Uh, I, and all I was trying to do was, uh, was do our typical uh, tagging ritual, which is we put a tag in their ear, uh, we banded the, banded the bull calves, castrated them right there, and then we gave them a vaccine and... Uh, and a shot of tetanus uh, toxoid, just uh, just because of the when we banned them, we don't want them getting tetanus. So uh, I I had a tag in his ear. He didn't like that, but he, you know, he was he was laying there pretty good, and I went to go uh, roll him on his back so I could I could band his nuts and. He kicked loose. I had my my forearm holding down his back leg, and he kicked loose, got me in the jaw, knocked my glasses off, knocked my hat off, and then proceeded to jump up and stomp on me about three times before I got my wits about me, and then uh, then was able to uh, subdue him and and you know get a band on him. But eighty pound maybe 90 pound calf i mean 
and I, I was probably pushing 200 pounds, if not a little, little heavier than that. I was kind of fat ass at, at the time. Uh, so I, you know, I, I weighed double what he did at least. And he still just fucking wiped the floor with me. And uh, just, just made me look stupid. And, uh, and if you've been around cattle before, that has happened to you, I guarantee it. Well, tell that story. Now, don't if you if you end up kicking them in the head or something, kind of leave that part out because that that is, doesn't doesn't help your story. But uh, let them know that I mean these are they're animals. They're unpredictable. They have their own mindset, and it's typically a flight mentality. Well, if you corner them long enough and they don't have anywhere to fly uh, to fly to, uh, then that flight mentality turns to fight and. You really don't want to pick a fight with a, with an animal that's that much bigger than you. So that you just got you've got to find a way to make it relatable, be self-deprecating, make it hu- uh, humorous, and and you'll be you'll be a lot better off. You might not change uh, change their mind, but you might change somebody else's that happen to be listening. And that that's that's one of the things we need to. Uh, we need to do as an industry uh, is just uh, be more relatable and uh, and be open to talk about stuff like that too. I mean, rather than avoiding the situation or just calling somebody an idiot, have the conversation. Uh, there's nothing nothing is lost by having the conversation. Even even if you don't win, even if you don't make a good argument, at least the conversation's being had, and that that's a good thing. So. Uh, Steven, I hope that helps. Uh, it may not, may not, but, uh, that, that's how I would, I would go about it. Explain the history, make it relatable, make it funny. And, and I I think you'll win some people over it. uh, There's a lot of people in the middle that are ready to be won over. You just got to go out and do it. And people... (laughs) People in America love cowboys. They love horses, they love cattle, and they love cowboys. And use that to our advantage, you know. But don't don't hold yourself to an impossible standard that you can't, you know, that you can't meet. So just uh Yeah, it's it's got to be relatable. And and then once you do that, I think I think you'll be in good shape. So Thanks for thanks for listening. Thanks for the the question, and uh, let me know if uh, you got anything else. Today's show is brought to you once again by the D bags. Don't be a gunsel. And um, I've had a few comments on what a gunsel is, and uh, typically a gunsel is kind of. Kind of described as somebody who looks like a cowboy, dresses like a cowboy, but overall don't know what the fuck they're doing, and uh, and they're pretty prevalent anywhere you go, and some people have different names for them depending on what line of work you're in, but for us in the cowboy world, we call them a gunsel. But anyway, Don't Be a Gunsel is it's a website started to uh, started with the working cowboy with who has a sense of humor in mind and they also have line of merch that you can buy uh they got some hats and some stickers and a coffee mug uh you can find them at don't be a gunsel on instagram and facebook and uh if you go buy any of their merch make sure you use the promo code burning daylight and get 10 percent off it'll help them out that'll help me out and you get some cool shit for a little bit cheaper and their prices are already pretty cheap, so go I'll go check them out, support them, and uh, use the burning uh, burning daylight promo code B U R N I N D A Y L I G H T. I I spelled the daylight wrong yesterday because uh, I'm a fucking hand, that's why. But anyway, go check them out. Don't be a gunsel. Well, I uh, I finally sat down and watched the, the second half of that presidential debate, and uh, 
well, it was, uh, it was as much of a dumpster fire as the first one. Uh, so much so that, in my opinion, Biden uh, came out looking reasonable. And not that he wasn't saying some, saying some goofy shit, because he was, but he sounded the most reasonable of everyone on stage. And... I mean, he had that that Swallowell fella uh, from California that just straight up wants to ban guns. And he was talking about a gun buyback program, which, uh, okay, uh, good luck. 320 million people in the, in the U.S. and there's estimated 350 million guns. Good fucking luck. And that, that's privately owned guns, I believe. Uh, that doesn't even account the, like the military and the police and, you know, firearms in the hand of, hands of the state. So, there's, I don't know how many, how many guns they have, but just as, the, as a whole, the population has about 350 million guns, and they estimate it. And that's, that number is very much like the illegal immigration number. They've been saying 11 million illegal immigrants for the last like 10 years at least probably longer than that and then you look at uh there was like a hundred thousand border crossings a month in the last year or something like that but yet they still they still spat out this 11 million number it's got to be at least double that i would imagine and i think guns are probably the same way uh they say estimated 350 million i bet you there's a lot more but you know, I, I don't have any guns. I lost mine in a very unfortunate boating accident. Was never able to recover them. But, uh, you know, other people have a lot of guns. Not me. Um, then, yeah, the healthcare debate was always a, is always a big issue with, with the Democrats. That's a big issue in general because the, the healthcare system is fucked. And, uh, a lot of people on the left will will say it's because of capitalism. What 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 we have now is not capitalism. It's a heavily heavily government uh, governmentally regulated industry, and regulation does nothing to help the the consumer or the or the small business. Regulation helps the big company because they can afford to. Uh, to comply with the regulations, whereas the, the smaller company can't. So, uh, so for the, those that say that it's you know the fault of capitalism that uh, that the healthcare industry is is so bad, and no, it has nothing to do with capitalism. If uh, if the government would get out of the way and just let a company be a company and provide their their product like they they want to then the the better off we all are the the prices will come down uh just through competition and innovation and and competition breeds innovation so they i think they're all wrong but they're i don't think they really care about that it's all about government control and if they if they can control your health they they definitely can control you so, and then this, this health issue, uh, this is an area that really kind of has me spooked because, and this is, uh, I got in an argument with, uh, with some family members about Trump's, uh, where he declared a national emergency, uh, in order to build a wall. And, uh, I was, I was very opposed to that and not and the reason being was that it sets a precedent that the president can uh, pretty well disregard what what the Congress says on how they're supposed to spend the money, and that's you know that's how the our our system of government works. The the legislative branch, a lot, uh, you know, budgets the money, and then. 
so they passed a law saying this is the amount of money the federal government will receive for this year. Well, the executive branch executes that law. So they don't get to decide how the money is spent. The, the Congress tells them this is, you're, you're getting this money for, for this purpose. And that's, they're supposed to execute that action right there. It's not how it works in the real world, but that ideally that is how it's supposed to be. So by Trump declaring this national emergency on the, the border, and then so by doing so, he was going to reroute some funding from the Department of Defense, I believe, and, and use that to, to build the wall on the southern border. And I, I was I was opposed to that. Now I'm opposed to it. Uh, I was opposed to it then. I'm opposed to it now, just because it sets the precedent that the, any president can just redirect funding to their pet project. And you, I heard you hear Liz, Elizabeth Warren talking about the you know guns being a, a national health emergency. Well, what's going to stop her from directing uh, funds or redirecting funds to institute a, a gun buyback program, which they call it a buyback program, but it's not going to be a voluntary buyback. I mean, that that's the, the, one of the, the big uh, things they point to in uh, the gun control community is the Australian gun buyback. But nobody ever mentions that there was a, uh, you know, it was very successful. It was a very successful gun buyback. Well, the reason it was successful because it was mandatory with the threat of a fine or a prison sentence attached to it. So you can't hardly call it a voluntary gun buyback if they're uh, just, you know, if they're threatened to throw you in a cage if you don't comply. So, uh, and that, that would be the same same situation here if they tried that. I mean, it, it, it's not, it's not going to be a, a voluntary issue. So, yeah, that, that was why I was opposed to, to this national emergency. And I, one of the things that just irritates me to no end is there are very few uh, elected officials that have any principles in which they stand on like there's there's a handful on the left and the right that that do but by and large now they have they, have, they don't stand on any principle there all they're trying to do is uh win a popularity contest basically but you know there's people like Rand paul and uh thomas massey and justin amash and uh even there's like that that ron wyden i think is his name from Oregon, he's a senator, and he, he's a Democrat, but he is, he is very principled on, on certain things. Like, he, he, is, uh, he has co-sponsored bills with uh, Rand Paul to try and stop uh, the domestic spying program that, that we found out about through Edward Snowden, uh, who, who is still a fugitive, by the way, he, uh, if he was to ever step foot in America, he would be arrested and, uh, and probably tried under the, um, uh, what do I, what do they call that? Um, now, uh, basically treat him as a foreign spy and, uh, what are they, what is that called? What is that, um, uh, they're basically, basically what they're trying Julian Assange under. Uh, it was a uh, it was a law wrote there that was signed into law by uh, Woodrow Wilson, hands down the worst U.S. president ever. But um, son of a bitch, what is the? I cannot think of that that word right now. But um. It has to do with with uh, spying for a foreign government. Government, you know, treating them as uh, 
as a secret agent. That That is what is going to happen to Snowden if he ever sets foot in the U.S. That's what's happening to Julian Assange right now. And, uh, but there's, so going back to that, there's, there's very few principled, uh, politicians out there, and that's the part that, that bugs me, and, yeah, I guess it is what it is, I don't know if it's ever gonna change, but you gotta, you gotta, if you're, if our system is gonna work, you've gotta have the right people in there, and I don't know, I just... There's people that sound really good and make a lot of promises and then they get to, to Washington and get their soul sucked out of their body and, uh, and then they just become a shill for, for uh, special interests. But, oh well, I guess. Every now and then, <clears throat> you almost run into some accidents when you wear uh, a set of leggings or chinks or something along those lines because you uh you gotta pee real bad and sometimes you can't get the damn things off fast enough and uh and you just damn near piss yourself and i've had that happen numerous times where i just almost pissed myself due to the leggings and here i believe it was last winter um i actually did piss myself but it didn't have much to do with the leggings because this one was a jersey heifer that uh just yeah she got me pretty good so we were doing a bunch of our preg sorts so we do a do a, a preg check every week typically and anything that's bred will go to the to a different pin and everything that's not stays down there in those lockup pins and then they get bred again. So we were we were unlocking these pregnant heifers to, to move and I stepped in the pin and I left my horse in the pen and I stepped out to the front so I could I could read their tag numbers and unlock them and I had to I had to piss real bad. So I stepped back in the pen once I got everything unlocked, and I was I was getting ready to uh, take a leak. I had everything unzipped and whatnot, and uh, I, was, I was actually like midstream, just just really giving her hell. And of course, it's winter, so once it drops below about 40 degrees, I drink coffee pretty well all day because I. Uh, I don't like being cold that well, so I drink coffee a lot, and, and I had probably already had a half a pot of coffee that morning, so I was I was loaded up, needed to needed to do a little irrigating, and uh, one of these Jersey heifers kept trying to uh, to chew on the fringe on my chinks, and so I'm uh, I'm trying to smack her nose away and walk away from her while I'm still peeing. And wouldn't you know, she another one kind of turned and bumped into me, and I stepped in a big fresh pile of cow shit, slipped, fell down, and I'm still pissing. And there wasn't anything I could do but just laugh and lay there in my own piss. And I think, well, this is my life now. <laughs> and, uh, and then in the meantime, that same Jersey heifer uh, came over and started licking on my fringe from my chinks and I at that point I really had to slap her away because uh, there was other things exposed that she really didn't need to be licking on and uh, <laughs> and the whole time I'm still just trying to get <laughs> trying to get stood up so I can finish taking a leak without just spraying it all down my leg and uh, it didn't happen I, <laughs> I was all bundled up and uh, it was, I was a hot mess after that, and then I became a very cold mess. It was a cold morning, so uh, good times had with cattle. Little bastards can uh, they they can get you sometimes. They <laughs> they can really get you. And that one I couldn't do anything but laugh, and then 
go home and change into a new pair of jeans. So there we go, old Matty P pants over here. I think I'm gonna end the show on that. So uh, thanks for tuning in. Uh, continue to listen, share it, subscribe, like, all that good stuff. Go uh, check out. Don't be a gunsel. Use the promo code promo code Burning Daylight and uh, get 10% off. Uh, go go help them guys out. And then uh, go follow me on Facebook, Matt McKinley, and the Burning Daylight page, uh, at MickerMac85 on Twitter and Instagram are my personal pages, and then at Burning Daylight on Instagram. And I, I, I guess I should probably make a, a Twitter profile for the page, but I just haven't done it yet. And, uh, yeah, go find me on all them uh give me a shout if you got any any topics you want me to to discuss or songs to play or anything of that of that sort <clears throat> and uh I, I sure appreciate all the feedback and the the interaction and let's keep it up we got Burt Koontz on tomorrow um I'm not sure when I'll I'll post that up so anyway and then uh, I should have a, an announcement, another big announcement for you later this week. So, uh, you all go have a good day, be safe, be careful, and uh, I'm going to go home and take a nap. So, uh, move your ass, we're burning daylight. Seven this morning I got on the phone and said to hold my brawn as long as you can. My car broke down in Billings and they just got it put together and I'll be photo finishing in the old Cheyenne. Here I am in Sheridan and it's nine o'clock in the morning and times are going fast. I just pulled her over, had some coffee and a donut and I bought the car a brand new tank of gas. Well, I don't know if I'm going to make it, it's 9.15, I'll be lucky if I ever get there. My cat, now what's that I hear, is it a siren, sure enough, he got me on his radar. He pulled up behind me and turned on those flashing lights, a sign that I knew meant to pull her over. So I stomped on the brakes and as I slid her to a halt, I wiped out three reflector posts along the shoulder. He got out of his car and wasn't walking real slow So I jumped out and met him halfway He jerked out his gun and said, Mister, are you crazy? I ain't never seen nobody drive that way Well, I told him to take it easy and he could put up that cannon The way he's shaking, it might just go off He put up the gun as I explained my situation He listened to my story, then he called He wrote me out a ticket that seemed to take forever I took it as I hit it for my car That copy hollered out to me and said Hey cowboy, better slow down cause you can't outrun this radar As I rolled on down the road I was a cursing and a swearing Got the ticket that I had just acquired I wondered if I ought to pay it or throw it out the window A little match and set the damn thing fire. So I gunned it once again and was traveling down the road With a gas pedal mashed to the floor When I came around the curve and right there in the highway There's more damn cheap than I've ever seen before I'm going too fast to ever stop so I just close my eyes As the car rolls on through the herd When I open up my eyes again there's a sheep on the fender And that herder saying some mighty awful words the sweats are dripping off my hands as I burrow through old Wheatland. I'm a nervous wreck and I must be a sight. The flies inside this old car are buzzing all around me. Guess my 24-hour deodorant quit last night. 60, 50, 40, 30, 20 miles more. The rodeo starts in another 18 minutes. I pull in through the main gate and I hear the anthem playing. I can't believe it. Thank God I finally made it. There's only one more option.
obstacle that's standing in my way is a nitwit with a weekend badge. He's standing by the gate and as I slide her to a halt, he says, where in the hell you going so doggone fast? Well, I tell him that I'm entered and I ain't got time to talk. My horse is in the chute and I'm late. He says I need to get a pass from the secretary. My eyes get red, my heart fills up with hate. Well, I yell you dirty so-and-so, you better let me through. He asked if I'd repeat that once again. So I whacked him in the mouth and I left him lying there on his back, the kicking in the sand. Well, I got there just in time to see my bronc come running out. His head and tail was held way up high. And I swear he looked right straight at me and grinned and gave a horse laugh at me. I just stood there and cried. I turned around feeling helpless and purely dumbfounded. I looked and what did I see? Three highway patrolmen and a gate man with a fat lip. And they were all looking right at me. Sitting in this cell now, I've done a lot of thinking about that wild run I made a month ago. I'm sorry that I'm in this rotten situation, but if I could do it again, I wouldn't have drove so slow. If I could do it again, I wouldn't have drove so slow. 